0: You know, so every one of us were encouraged by God to pray for something, to ask for something, and to imagine something. And, and I, th- I think it, the reason why I wanted to do the prayer first was because sometimes we have a hard time holding on to something God wanted to give us, or something God did give us, and we let it go too quickly. Um, it's kind of like trying to hold on to a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and you're not able to hold on to it till the end of the game. Um, but this year, we're going to face some of the challenges of our life by looking at this thing called a resolute heart. This is what God has been talking to me about, but I think as I look into people's lives and I have interaction with you guys, and I, I know that this is something that pertains to all of us, um, when events are uncontrollable or unpredictable in our lives, um, I think we tend to face them in one of three ways. I'm sure there's more numbers than three, but these were the three that kind of pop into my head or the uh, ones that I see as alternatives for me. When I look at a co- uncontrollable events... Whatever kind they are, whether it's a decision of a spouse, whether it's a decision of a child in your life, whether it's the news from a doctor, whether it's uh, something going on at work or something we see in the country, Um, one of the ways that we respond to uncontrollable events is fear. I mean, I think we all got that one. I mean, it's like when something uncontrollable happens, we, we tend to get f- afraid of that particular event. Uh, I, I think for, for the rest of us, there might be another move and that we try to control the event, is that we try to exert ourselves over that particular event in our life. And so we try to control both ends of the stick. We try to, we, we do our best to fix our children, fix our bodies, fix our lives, whatever it is that we need to fix. And, we, and when we can't control, we, we have an angst of control. It's, we exert ourselves against this thing. And, um, and then the third one is what we'll talk about tonight, and we'll be talking throughout, the, throughout this whole year, is that we face this thing, this challenge Um, resolutely. Um, And we'll talk more about what that means, but one of the things I've noticed is that people develop psychological and spiritual vertigo in uncertain times. I think we all get it a little bit differently into a different quotient, Uh, but if you've never had vertigo before, it's kind of a I don't know. I don't think they know exactly what it is. It's got something to do with the inner ear, but maybe not. Maybe I've heard it's been a fungus. I spent way too much time on the internet. But there's a lot of different things that it could possibly do. But if you've ever had a vertigo attack before, and I have, it is really just kind of like overwhelming. You wake up, in the morning and all of a sudden the room is just spinning and, and you just can't, even when you close your eyes, it doesn't go away. Everything just is constantly spinning and there's a, a loss of balance and, and the part where it gets really anxious is there's a loss of orientation. You know, you're, you're kind of wondering what's happening to you and, and, and so... We, you get the spinning effect in your life. And, and I think when we hear of events that are uncontrollable or things that we can't manage, or think, you know, whether it's a bill, or um, we can have this nice, well-ordered faith structure system, you know, I understand God created the universe based upon this set of evidences, and I believe in the resurrection of Christ because of this. But there, there are those things that come into our lives, and they're different for all of us, that all of a sudden give us Spiritual vertigo. All of a sudden, we lose our balance. We are we lost, lose our orientation. It's really interesting. We don't get vertigo the same way, or for all of us. There are some things that you know. Um, and I was thinking about it while we were worshiping. There are some things that I really don't call, don't cause me spiritual vertigo. I mean, um, it's kind of I was thinking about well where are culture's going. And it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't scare me. War with uh, North Korea doesn't scare me. You know, uh, Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, eh, they, they don't really scare me. What, what the world's view was on this, nah, that really doesn't scare me. But, but we all have things that when we get news of it or we, we, it presents itself to our life, whether it's finances, that may just like, I mean, we go into vertigo. You know, I mean, if if we get a report from the doctor, that just kind of we get a headache. You know, and all of a sudden you go into some crazy vertigo. I've, you know, uh, I I had something pop up on my leg, back of my leg here. I'm like, dang, that thing wasn't there. Like a, three days ago, that thing wasn't there. And and it, that thing's already, I'm getting a rent check from it. It's like, like, where did that thing come from? It's like, Susan, get him on the phone, you know? We get spiritual vertigo. Um, and, and we kind of like lose our resolve so easily. And um, I think when we perceive, when we experience perceived randomness, we lose, we feel out of control and lose the predictability of seeing how God is going to work things out. When we experience, and all of us kind of have different levels of what we think randomness and where it happens, but when we experience what we think is a perceived random thing that we can't control, um, we lose predictability of the outcome of it. And it made me realize is that one of the things I like about God the most is the predictability that he gives me, but uh, other than his character, I'm not sure how much predictability he's actually offered me. And and so I began to ask myself, do I love God or do I love predictability? Do I like a good worked out math problem that I know if you solve for X, this will pop in and and it works out? Am I in love with predictability? Um, are we in love with predictability? Is, you know, is, do we have our whole system of life around, I need to be able to manage everything so I can predict what the outcome's going to be? And when we lose, not when we lose a sense of feeling of God in our life, when we lose the ability to predict the outcome, that's when we fall apart. That's when we start to get vertigo, if we're not sure exactly how something's going to work out. The answer is not seeing the future. The answer is bringing something into the moment that does not spin with the room. Something that when the room is spinning, because I want a life experience with God where the room doesn't spin, and then when the room starts to spin, that's when we doubt God is because it's an unpredictable moment and I don't know how it's going to happen. So we're as good with God as long as predictability is foreseeable. And I'm thinking, wow, what a really shallow way to approach God, that all I want from God is predictability, or my ability to see how things are going to be worked out. But the only thing that you can bring into every room, regardless of how much it's spinning, every situation, every event, um, is a resolute heart. Because everything else in the room could possibly be spinning. To be resolute means this to be admirably purposeful, determined, and unwavering. What an incredible word. Purposeful, determined, and unwavering. We're gonna look at people throughout this whole year in the scriptures that when their lives were struck with vertigo, and every one of them in their stories will have a vertigo moment. They will have a moment where the quotient of predictability gets really low. It's kind of like the visibility thing. When you take off with an airplane, the pilot will say, we're going to fly. visibility is about like five miles. And, you know, I'm, not, like, I'm going to know the difference between five miles and ten miles while I'm up in an airplane. But it, this idea of all of a sudden in our lives, the visibility begins to, we get a l- little bit of, of fog. You know when they say that we are socked in with fog? Where well, they came in with the idea of being socked in, the etymology of that phrase is that at the end of the runway or at the runway outside the control tower, they put that wind sock. And when they can't see the wind sock, they say they're socked in. That they don't have the ability to see the wind sock any longer. And for a lot of us, we're gonna see that in scripture that everybody has a moment of vertigo. Everybody has a moment when you get socked in, when you don't, when the room is spinning around you, when your job is changing so much, the kids are growing up, the fighting and the family and the home and the politics or whatever it is, that every just, everything seems to be spinning in a kind of a moment of vertigo. One of my favorite examples, the one that I'll be talking about, and I'll be having different people speaking throughout the year, but one of my favorite examples of a resolute heart is the character known as Joseph. And the reason why I want to talk about Joseph is because, like when we were in our prayer time, God encouraged you, I believe, to pray, asking, believing, and you had the guts to come up and ask for something. And now, God wants to develop within you in the resolute heart not to let that go. Because a lot of us, what you'll do is, if you're like me, I'll get that overwhelming feeling of the Spirit of God, and I'll be like, oh man, God was just all over me tonight, and I just felt the peace of God. And then I'll just kind of like go to the car, and I'll get in the car, and I'll feel, uh, well, I guess it didn't get healed today. And it's like, nope, well, it didn't happen today. I'll just, I'll just immediately, my resolution will dissolve. You know, the vertigo will just return into my life. Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob. He's probably the favorite. There's no probably about it. Genesis 37, 5 tells us, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the other brothers, they hated him and could not speak to him peacefully. Now, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. As you can see, like all of our lives, unrest and un- the unexpected is about to happen in, J- in Joseph's life. Joseph has no idea what's about to happen to him. He's having visions from God. God's telling him what's going to happen in his life. He doesn't understand why everybody else isn't jacked about his visions and everything that God's given him. He's telling them their visions, they can't even stand him for it, but he's just kind of like, this is gonna be awesome. This is gonna be great. He has no idea what is about to happen to him. So his brothers grab him and plot to kill him, but in the last moment they decide to sell their brother into slavery in Egypt. By the way, if you've ever been wondering how the Israelites ever got in Egypt for 400 years of bondage, needing Moses to deliver them, it was because of family jealousy and betrayal. So, can I encourage you? Lead your family. Because if you don't lead your family, you don't know what the next 400 years is going to be like for them. So they grab him, throw him in a pit. And they sell him into slavery. The first characteristic of a resolute heart reveals itself. A resolute heart has vision connected to the certainty of God. Now this is the part I think is interesting about Joseph. Um, and, and I'm going to try to say this in a way. It makes sense to my head, but I, I know that doesn't mean that it makes sense. Is... Is that his heart was connected to the vision that was given to him by God. But not as much to the vision of God for him like where or what. That's the vision that we want. You know, it's like, well, God, where am I going to work? Or God, what am I going to do with my life? Or, where are we going to get that house? Or, so God, I know that you gave me a vision. I know that you've given me a plan for my life. I know you want something for my life. So I wanna know the where and the what about it. But that doesn't seem to be what Joseph focuses on. But that tends to be the element that we focus on is the where or the what in the vision. And, And, but Joseph was more concerned of the made of part of the vision. What the vision was made of? What was the substance of the vision? What was the, um, uh, what was the certainty of the vision and who was the author of this vision? And a lot of times I think we lose our, our place in life or our, we develop vertigo because we think God wants to do something in our lives. We step out in, in some sort of resolution to walk in that. And then the where and the what don't formalize the way that we thought it would be. And we begin to go into a spin. Well, it seems that Joseph really never asked the question, where or what. He was just more concerned about the made-of part, that it was, this was, this is made out of God's plan. This is God's purpose for, for my life. Joseph didn't know anything about being betrayed. Joseph didn't know anything about being going to Egypt. He didn't know anything about that. That was not part of the vision. See, a lot of us can't live or we're looking for a vision from God that takes the vertigo out of life. But God left the vertigo in life for, for him. You don't think his head was spinning when he was in that pit? You don't think his head was spinning when he's riding with the Ishmaelites down in, in, into Egypt? You know, you, you don't think his head was spinning when he was standing there with all the potential slaves and being sold to the highest bidder. But it's interesting that he didn't know any of that. But yet he still had this sense of, but I know what, what my life is made out of. I know who promised this. But I never knew the what and I never knew the where. And for a lot of us, I think we lose confidence in God because we don't see the where, we don't see the what. But that's not what we were supposed to see anyway. You know, we all look for little miracles over that girl's head so we can marry her, or over that guy's head, or we're like, you know, God just, you know, whatever. But it's, I'm beginning to find that God doesn't seem to really reveal a lot of that information. I, I actually... Um, rewrote Jeremiah 29 11 I know this is the second time you've been told by me that I've altered a scripture I told you it on Sunday but uh, so this is a non-authoritative but Jeremiah 29 11 uh, gives us this God says I know the plans I have for you to give you hope to give you a future to prosper you not to hurt you but everything else is mine to know and you to experience we quote that scripture probably more than any other scripture but it never tells us where and it never tells us what and it never tells us when or with who but isn't it interesting when we don't know where and when or what that's when we get our vertigo god says i all the rest of it's for me to know and and for you to experience i would say that god is the master of saying didn't see that coming did you I mean, seriously, he really does. I, I really think so. He's like, you didn't add that up. I mean, come on, a baby born in a manger to a virgin? Who saw that coming? I mean, really? I mean, you had to spin a bunch of, you know, Jesus dying on a cross? You know what I mean? Who saw that coming? You know I mean? It, it, these things, you, you never saw that. Joseph was more concerned with the promise being from God and that the substance of the promise than the particulars of the promise. That's being resolute. It's like, yeah, I don't know how he's gonna work it out. I don't know where he's gonna work it out. I don't know, you know, I just feel God wanted me to step out and do this. I thought it was that job. I thought it was that city. I thought it was that house. I thought it was, you know, that person, whatever. Let's be honest, it probably wasn't. What he told you to do was to step out and he said that he would, you know, he didn't want to hurt you, he wanted to help you prosper. he wanted to uh, give you hope in the future. And then the rest of it, he said, it's life to experience. But it's in that life to experience where we develop the vertigo. And that's where our head begins to spin. But, but Joseph doesn't let it, even though his life is spinning, he has a resolute heart. The second characteristic of a resolute heart occurs when he's working in Egypt. And that one thing that you can take into a situation that when the room is spinning and when life seems uncertain, it's a resolute heart that has character. You could take it anywhere you go. When you don't know the where or the what or the with whom, or the, you know, the when of it, that when you walk into that with a resolute heart, with character, you're prepared for any moment. You can't control the moment. You can't control the outcome of everything, but you can go into that moment with character. While working for Pontifer, the captain of the guard of Pharaoh's court, we're told this. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after time his master's wife cast her eyes on him and said, lie with me. But he refused and said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house um, was was in the house, she caught him by the garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and got out of the house. A resolute heart doesn't throw away ethics just because life has been hard and unfair. You know, it it doesn't say, you know what, this is unfair, life's been tough, I'm just going to throw this ethic away in my life. A resolute heart doesn't change its values as the culture around them changes. It's like, well, okay, well, and I was with my dad, I was going to behave this way, and, and now I'm in Egypt, well, now I'll behave the way Egy- Egyptians. Well, now I'm in Pontifer's house, I'll behave that way. Now Pontifer's not in the house, and now it's Pontifer's wife. Well, I'll behave that way. See, a resolute heart is the kind of heart that stays true to the character of God, regardless of what the rest of the culture is doing around it. So, like, Regardless of what they vote in or vote out. Regardless of what everybody's doing at mom, you know, that a a resolute heart does not change values just because the culture around them changes. And here's another one I liked out of this was that a resolute heart is faithful to the vision giver, not to the circumstance maker. It's faithful to the vision giver, not the circumstance maker. Because you're going to have a lot of people who are going to change the circumstances in your life. Your spouse may change the circumstances. Your boss may change the circumstances. Your school, whatever it is, they may change the circumstances. And, and a lot of us are like, well, you know, whatever, whoever's in control, I will take, and, and Joseph's like, no, the one who gave me the vision is the one I'm faithful to, not the circumstance maker. Because let's face it, folks, the circumstance makers change all the time. They get elected in, they get elected out. They're your, the, the, the teacher that your, your kids are going to for fifth grade. They're the people that you work with. They're the corporation that you're in. One time they're in, the next time they're out. And, and it's like, well, I'm, f- I'm faithful to whoever the circumstance maker. And it's like, no. I remember when I went through my divorce, um, uh, that uh, after we were separated and uh, the uh, legal papers had been submitted and all that stuff, uh, I remember people kept asking me, well, why do you got your ring still on? And, um, and it's like, well, because I made a covenant. Yeah, but she doesn't want to be married to you. And I'm like, no, I made a covenant to God. So the vision maker says, wear your ring. Uh, the circumstance maker says, take it off. And I was like, well, I'm faithful to the circumstance maker in your life will change a thousand times. And if you're looking for a better circumstance maker, just forget it. Okay? You got to be faithful to the vision giver. That's the one. To God who speaks his truth into your life, that's the one that a resolute heart follows, not the circumstances that are constantly changing. And as a result of doing the right thing, Joseph is thrown into prison. Nothing creates personal vertigo than inequity and injustice. Um, doesn't it? I mean, don't you just, they've done me wrong? And then don't you kind of feel like, well, the gloves are off or I can do whatever I want now because they, done, they did me wrong or, you know, this is not right. I, sh- I shouldn't do a good job anymore at work because, well, they gave the raise to, to them. You know, I shouldn't be faithful to my to my wife anymore because you know she's not having sex with me. You know, so I mean, can you think? Can you see how you can you can begin to manipulate and change this and Begin to see personal injustice begins to alter your personal commitment to what you're doing, what God has said in your life. A resolute heart moves forward even in the midst of injustice. So, as Joseph's in prison. And I'm, just, I'm racing through a lot of Joseph's life. The Lord is with him. And in Genesis 40, we're told this. Sometime after this, now, who knows how long sometime after this is. I know the Bible seems like it's a big book, but it's not really that big. Um, sometimes after this could mean 5, 10, 15 years. Okay? So we're not told that. But sometimes after this, the, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and the baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was angry with the two officers, the cupbearer and the baker, and he put them in the custody, in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. And one night they both dreamed, and the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. And when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. They said to him, we had had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph. Joseph tells him the meaning of the dream, and the interpretation results with the cupbearer being restored by Pharaoh in the near future. But right after he tells him the vision, I like what it says about Joseph. It says this. He says, You're going to be restored, but only but only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of this house. Get me out of prison. Please remember me when it comes to pass. It's like because I really hate it here. I mean, Joseph's not loving this. I mean, who would love it? The sequence of his life, he's now in prison. He's like, just remember me. Joseph also goes on to interpret the baker's dream with the uh, ominous prediction of the baker's life ending with his execution. So on one of Pharaoh's birthdays, he restored the cupbearer to his position, but he hanged the baker as Joseph had interpreted for him. So what is the resolute heart in all this? Well, here is one small verse um, where the toughest characteristic of a resolute heart is revealed. Genesis 40, verse 23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. It's like, oh my goodness. A resolute heart is patient. Isn't that the toughest part for all of us? It's like, I know, I mean, you came up here today believing and expecting from God, you had every right. And Jesus said, ask and it shall be given to you. I can't talk you out of that, That's what it says, I mean, I could try to do some song and dance on why, well, you know, he doesn't really mean it that way, or, you know, don't get your hopes up, but he doesn't mean everything. Well, he means according to his will and all that. But, you know, I mean, let's let's just not do that anymore. Let's just pray believing. And so, um, but here's the problem. Where some of us will lose that confidence is in the waiting. It's like, okay, God, but please, before the end of the night or tomorrow, Remember me. Remember what I prayed and what I believed, and I believed you. And, and, and don't forget me. And then here you find yourself a year out, or two years out, and, you, and you're, you know, what happens to it then? It's in those moments of feeling forgotten, which are some of the toughest experiences you'll ever have, that your heart will lead you into the darkest places. It's in that waiting where imagination and darkness come, where you're waiting on God. It's in those moments where your soul will, will tempt you to make the worst of choices, to settle for not what you really asked for, but something else instead. I know it's not really what God wanted me for my life, but you know, the waiting is, is too hard. A resolute heart is able to endure with hope In God. Can you see why I would want one of these? Can you see why God would want us to have one of these? In God's timing, the vision of Joseph was given to him by God, and it all came to pass. But I want you to know, it came to pass for a resolute heart. Too often we give up before receiving the promise. We do. We just kind of, we, we get there and we get part of the way, and then we, uh, we've given up. You know, we just like, yeah, I'm just not, I just don't believe that anymore. And that happens to all of us. And, and I think we also do this thing of called giving in. It's kind of like giving up, uh, where we've given up, but it's kind of, Given in is where we just exchange the result for some other thing that's less than what God had intended for our lives. Other ways of responding. We've given in to the temptation. We've given in to the anger. We've given in to the disappointment, to the depression, to the compromise, to the resentment. You know, I mean, you may be in a hard place, and and I've only... Touch the tip of the, of the hard place that anybody could possibly be. I know that some of you are in very difficult places in your life. But God just wants to encourage you today, don't give in and don't give up. Um, you're not forgotten. You know, you may... Think nobody's paying attention. You may not, you may think that the promises of God are, 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 are not being fulfilled or have been forgotten, or his hand has gotten short, or his ear has gotten deaf on you, but it hasn't. And this is what separates Joseph. He never knew any of the details. He didn't know that he was going to end up here and I mean, and then ends up in this, working for this guy, and then Get thrown into jail because this girl said something about him and then while he's in jail he has a vision and and then he gets forgotten. I mean, none of that was laid out in that vision that he saw that he told to his brothers that his brothers hated him so much. If all that was in the vision, (laughs) his brothers would have been, sucks to be you, Joseph. You know, all that's going to happen to you? You can have it. But you know, God is faithful to his promises and he may not have given you the what or the where that you've been asking for. Here's what Paul says about a resolute heart and and we'll close with this and I just, I think it's such a powerful verse, it's more powerful to me today than it's ever been but Paul talks about how to get this resolute heart and like I said, every month we're going to be breaking this down. Don't piecemeal it. Pick up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, in the midst of vertigo, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of the righteousness of Christ, and as shoes for your feet, Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. It's like, don't drop it, don't let it go, tighten it tighter than it's ever been before. Slip your feet into it, snug into it, pick it up and carry it. That this is the construction of a resolute heart in the day of adversity. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all not some, but all the fiery darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplications. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. We're not told what he did in prison. We didn't, we're not told what he did after Potiphar's wife tried to grab him. We were not told what Joseph said to God while he was in that pit, while he was in the back of a cage riding with the Ishmaelites. But I have a feeling it has something to do with this, girding himself with truth, putting on the thoughts of God, picking up the shield of faith, living with a resolute heart. The best part of Genesis 37 that we just read is the opening line to the whole story. I am blown away by its implication. That whole chapter that I just read from starts this way. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years of age, was pasturing flocks with his brothers. The story of Jacob continues in the story of Joseph. It doesn't continue in the story of Judah. It doesn't continue in the story of the other brothers. It continues in the story of Joseph. God's like, you want to know what happened to Jacob? I'll tell you what happened to Jacob. There's this kid named Joseph. And why Joseph? Because he had a resolute heart. See, the story of God continues in us through our Joseph, through the resolute heart of Christ. But I will tell you this too, that the story of Christ continues from you into your children and your children's children through your resolute heart. If you wanna know about Jacob, just watch the life If his son, Joseph, if people want to know about God, the way they'll learn about it, is through his sons and daughters of resolute heart. That's where the story continues. Those who endure to the end that have run the race. Joseph is resolute in the midst of betrayal. He's resolute in a foreign land. He's resolute in the hearing of false accusations. Joseph is resolute in loneliness and obscurity. Our story continues because of the resolute heart of Christ. Let me encourage you. Don't give up your faith. Don't give up your hope. This may be the hardest day for you. It may be the darkest time. And it may be, you know, the depression may be palpable. The news may be pitiful but hold on to your confidence after doing everything to stand strong, stand firm in the power of his might, his promise, and his word. So what you prayed for today, hold on to it. God may trim it, he may shape it, but he who promised it is faithful to complete it. Father, we ask over this year that you will create in us a resolute heart. Not just a believing heart, not just a theological heart, not just a church heart, not just a going to heaven heart, but God, that you would develop in us a resolute heart, a heart of character, a heart of vision that is connected to the certainty of God A heart that doesn't need to know the where and the what and the when and the who, but knows that he who promised it is faithful. And that however you want to fulfill it, that you have a plan for us, a hope for us, a purpose for us, not to hurt us, but to prosper us. Give us the courage and the patience to walk through it. So God, Strengthen us now. Let's stand together as in this last song and just present our hearts to God in this moment in the confidence of God and His love. Thank you, God, so much. Thank you so much that He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it.